Welcome to Coffee and Conversation, a podcast that's all in the name. Good coffee with great conversation. Here's your host, Larry Vincent. All right, well, welcome to the Coffee and Conversation podcast. I am your host, uh, Larry Vincent, and with me today is is uh, a good friend of mine who uh, was gracious enough to do a second podcast yeah. with me. Uh, you are now you're my first regular, Rashad. Yes, I've not had a regular yet. Uh, so uh, please welcome Rashad Cunningham, pastor at Church on the Rock here in Brownsburg, Indiana. Um, our residential black guy. <laughs> I'm going to get so wow. much. <laughs> I'm going to get in so much trouble uh, for for that. Uh, I hope I hope that wasn't offensive to you. No, I'm fine. Uh, I I'm figured fine. it. I figured it was. It's it's nice having a friend uh, that can uh, that can take things so lightly. You know. Um, you know. Usually, Rashad, we do a uh, a first uh, sip on the podcast. That's like a tradition here. Right. Uh, I, traditions. Well, no, you have water. <laughs> Here's the thing. Last last time we did our live show, um, you know, we were recording this a week after, but this won't be aired until like August something. Uh, but the last time you were on the podcast, you tried black coffee. Oh, yes. Uh, and, and you seemed to have... Um, Liked it, uh, you know, and then uh, you know I, I was under the impression that you were going to have it again, and then I texted you this morning and I said, Rashad, do you want a black coffee?" And you laughed at me. <laughs> I I could hear the laughter over the text, and I'm like, maybe he doesn't really like black coffee. So so let's air it out, Rashad. It was all right. It, I, there's there's no reason I would do it by choice. <laughs> no. So so it's okay. See, this is what a nice man does. He's like, no, no, it's, it was okay. I wouldn't do it again, but it's okay. <laughs> and here, anybody else is like, dude, that was crap. That was <laughs> that was utter crap. So um, so what we did instead uh, is uh, many people don't know this. Uh, I guess from the podcast, I don't know if you mentioned this last week or not. You can go into Best Friends Coffee and Bagel, Coffee and Bagel here uh-huh. in Brownsburg. Uh-huh. Uh, and you can order the Rashad. the Rashad on the secret menu. On the secret menu, I got I got a chuckle. <laughs> I walked into Best Friends this morning, and I get a. I, I said, "I'll take two Rashads." Yeah. And they chuckled at me, <laughs> and I, and, I, and I felt like I had to explain myself. Like, why would am I getting two Rashads? Yeah. I was like, "Oh, he's coming over," and I, I wanted to have two Rashads because you know. You know, symbolic. I don't know. <laughs> I just I just wanted to try something, and so they so like, oh, okay. So they made as if that made more sense. Uh, and so, um, and we 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 uh, broke bread yes. together before Best sandwich on the secret menu. It is because it's the only sandwich on the secret menu. Wait, 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 wait. You're telling <laughs> you're telling me that there's a secret menu. Yep. And there's one item. Right. It's <laughs> a secret the menu. There you go. Best item on the secret. That's menu. not a secret menu, Rashad. That's that's just them. That's just them. You know, blowing smoke for you. Pretty much. Like, yeah. I'll take it. I'll take all the smoke. I'll take it. <laughs> that's hilarious. Well, it was good. Mm-hmm. I did enjoy it. They did tell me. Uh, how it is made? Because I asked, yeah. uh, and it's basically another sham sandwich with another, with just one extra with item one on it, extra with item. one extra <laughs> item on it. Uh, and and, and, and it's, uh, for those of you who don't know, it's honey, um, and and that's that that's that's good because you are a very sweet individual. Hey, there we go. See there how you go. see how I, yeah, I like lo- yeah. I like look. Pastors know how to wordsmith, man. So I'm going to take my first sip. All right. Once you grab your water, Come we'll on. we'll toast. There you go. And you know, look, we'll take a drink. 
Mm, that is so good. Okay. Your, your water comes from a filter system because we ain't drinking out of the well. Um, that's that's for sure. All right. Well, let's um, let's dive in to the to the topic at hand. Uh, right. The the second season uh, that that we are recording now that we're going to be putting out on the podcast is dealing with um, issues in the church and in the community that we face on a regular basis just not wanting to talk about in public. Yes. We're, we're bringing the dark issues out into the light, right? Uh, and you know, we had uh, April Bordeaux from Care to Change for our season opener to talk about mental health in the church. That's, I love April. Uh, oh, she's awesome. She's absolutely awesome. Um, and then just a couple hours later, uh, as a bonus episode, uh, we put out uh, an ep- a podcast with Brett Havlin, mm-hmm. a local firefighter here who suffers from PTSD. Mm-hmm. And we talked about PTSD uh, and and, uh, uh, and both of our experiences have been, you know, being diagnosed myself. And, um, and so now we're talking about race yes. in the church yes. um and and race in the church is something that we don't talk about you know there there was a um a, a, a quote and i don't know who said the quote I, I i have no idea maybe you do um but the quote i've always heard is that sunday is the most segregated oh yeah segregated uh sundays of the year do you know who That's said it king jr oh wow. yep. king did okay dr yep. king did okay so i i had no i had no idea but it's true yep it's true. I mean, it is. It seems to be. If I, you know, if I look on our Sunday morning, we have a few African American families, um, you know, in, in our church, but predominantly, yeah. we're we're a, we're a white church. Yeah. You know, I, I talked to um, a, a black pastor on the east side, has a large church on the east side. Um, I can't remember his name right now, uh, but. Uh, he's he's wanting to bring in more uh, white people. Yeah. You know, it's like so. It's it's a double edged it's a double edged sword here. But but let's. I mean, what responses do you have first yeah, to that, to and that. we'll get into you. Yeah, and so I think this is this is dangerous mm-hmm. in a sense because you should your church, your local church, should mimic the demographics of your community. Mm-hmm. So if I have a if I'm in Lisbon, Indiana, yeah, and my church is. 50-50 black and white. And, well, I'm probably not reaching yeah. uh, the majority of my community because it's predominantly white. Yeah. So my church, the, I'm a local church. I'm going to be a predominantly white church. Yeah. Now, do you know the demographics here in Brownsburg? Um, not the way I used to know them yeah. before I started pastoring. Yeah. But um, I know it's changed since I was... According to the 2010 census, 2010. Okay. Uh, we are under 20% minority. Right. Um, and and predominantly uh, that that's black, um, but there's a rising um, um, Middle Eastern demographic okay. mm-hmm. that's coming out. So I'll be mm-hmm. I'm interested to see what the 2020 census yeah. will have. The, the there there are, there is a more of a um, uh, updated uh, demographic. I just haven't I, I I can't remember the numbers of that. I, I think there was something that the schools did in 2017. Okay. Okay. Uh, but I, I don't know the numbers from yeah. that. But we're looking at around 20%. Yeah. So so 80% of your congregation um, yeah. reaching the community is going to be predominantly white because you're in yeah. a predominantly white community and right. you want to reach the community. I've yes. always had a problem with um, uh, pastors and churches saying, hey, we need to be more multicultural as a mm. church. We need to look and have more ethnicity. And I'm like, well, hold on. Your community's 99% white. 
you need or 99% black so yeah. your church is going to reflect that if it's actually reaching the community versus yeah. having people come from the east side right. to Brownsburg Indiana just so that you look a certain way yeah yeah my, my thing has always been uh socioeconomic that's good that, and that's where i look at it. yeah when, you know like uh, in my last church i was in a predominantly poor mm -hmm. neighborhood mm -hmm. and yet my congregation was predominantly rich mm -hmm. um, and and changing that demographic which we did while I was there um, was a hard thing to do but that's how I've always seen it. so I come into Brownsburg yeah. you know and, and Brownsburg is a predominantly wealthy I, well I mean not wealthy wealthy middle but class, upper middle yeah, class yeah yeah middle class yeah, upper yeah, middle yeah, class yeah, yeah definitely cuz you know I can, I can just hear my congregation listening to this podcast like I ain't rich. Yeah, that's true, you know. But right, right. you know, I think we average sixty thousand a okay, year. Right. I think in our in our community, and and, and you know, that's definitely not poor, right, you know. Right. Um, and, and yet, our food pantry mm -hmm. is filled mm -hmm. every every exactly. time it's open. Exactly. You know, and so you know, and and I wish we had more of uh, of that representation right. in our in our churches, um, but you know, that's. Yeah, that's not why we're here to talk, right? right? We'll right. talk about that on another podcast. We're here to talk about talk about race, and so, so you live in a predominantly white um, a town, Correct. right? Uh, and and how long have you how long have you been in this uh, in this area? My family moved out here in 1996. That would have been my freshman year of high school. Okay, okay. So the sec the second semester of my freshman year of high school is when we moved out here. So 23 years. Uh, yeah. 20, 23 years. 23 years. Yeah, I, I did math there. You see that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they don't teach math at Bible college. That's no, all don't. natural, my friend. Um, <laughs> but uh, so what was it like? Because I remember you telling saying this during the live podcast. That you were the only black kid yeah, in yeah. your school. So, so what was that like? So that was challenging in itself. Yeah. Um, it was it was a shock for not just me and my family, but also for the community. Yeah. You know, um, there there were definitely those. There were mixed uh, kids out here. You know, have black biracials, have black, have white. Okay. But when I came out, um, and when my family came out here, it, it was a stretch for the community in, yeah. in a lot of ways. So how how was uh, you don't mind me interrupting your story here? Because I don't know this experience, yeah. right? Uh, and so this is an education for me. How is it different uh, what you experience versus what a biracial person would experience? Yeah, so first and foremost, my daughter's biracial. Okay, example, yeah, yeah. Right? Uh, so for her, it's it's like I have a white culture background. My, mm -hmm. my mom's white. I'm around yeah. white people. I understand mm -hmm. Um, some of the the culture of white community in yeah, white yeah. America, and then I also have the black experience and all that. When when I came out, I'd never really known. I didn't have. I hadn't had a white friend. Yeah, really. you know, I, I came from Tech in North Central area. I have no idea where that okay, is. Okay, so it's like Tech's in the middle of the city, like okay. tenth and rural. Okay, um, area and yeah, then yeah. North Central is a little bit further out township area, but all are predominantly black. Yeah. And I didn't have a lot of white friends, if any at all, that were actually close friends and didn't know much about the white culture whatsoever. So there's, it's a culture shock. You come out and you're confused, yeah. <laughs> you know? And, and then on their end, um, the exposure to the black community, they didn't have a lot of it out here at the time. So they have a lot of stereotypes. I had a lot of stereotypes. They yeah. have a lot of well, this is all I know about black people from what I see on TV and what I watch on the news. And I'm like, well, this is all I know about white people from what I've been told by family members and stuff like that. So there's a clash yeah, yeah. in that moment. And um, it causes a lot of pain on both sides, honestly, on both yeah. sides. 
And um, being the minority, uh, you you kind of feel backed in a corner, like you have to come swinging and you have to come defensive, and mm-hmm. um, just a lot of things that are broken in that whole interaction, and, and still happen today. Even though we're we're more diverse as a community, I I myself know people who feel some type of way, quote yeah. unquote, when you know when they move out here, and and everything becomes about race, and everything becomes about being treated differently in their eyes, and and there's a lot of things that need to be broken in terms of those barriers that are put up. Yeah. So so it what that's not a shared experience between you and biracial biracial people that you experienced I, or I, I would even say um, the biracial experience can be tougher. Okay. Uh, I would say just just from having a daughter yeah. who is not quote and we'll talk about this later but she's not white enough mm-hmm. for her white friends and she's not black enough wow. for her black friends. Yeah. Um, and that whole identity crisis in itself. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So I would even say it's it's tougher. Yeah. Because um, you're looked at by both as not quite um, full this or full that. You know, it's kind of like the, the Samaritans in a way. Yeah. You know, like hey, you're not full Jew, but you're not full Gentile. Anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, for our non-Christian uh, sorry, uh, audience, no, 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 please. <laughs> Anytime we can infuse uh, Christianity in this, that's kind of the. Point. Um, uh, just, but just for clarification, uh, Samaritans uh, mentioned in uh, the Bible, uh, and and they were a uh, biracial mixed race kind exactly. of uh, background, and they were not seen as fully Jew, That's right. uh, and even condemned uh, yes. for that to the point where Jews would walk around yeah. uh, the town of Samaria, uh, Samaria, so, so they wouldn't have to interact. Yes. Um, with with uh, with the Samaritans, um, and so your daughter then, um, you know, if I'm hearing you right, uh, experienced that same kind of loneliness, yeah, um, and uh, and crisis of identity, yeah. Even and this is what 2019, right? yeah, 2019. This is still something she's had to deal with uh, growing up through school. Yeah, but don't you think though that uh, you know race in America has become a hot topic? Uh, in the last three years, especially. Oh yeah. Uh, I, I mean, even well, we can even back it up to uh, you know what 2010. Mm-hmm. I think was the first major news story um, of 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 a of a of a black uh, of a black guy getting shot by yeah. a police officer. Yeah. I think it was 2010. I believe so. It was during uh, the Obama presidency, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken. Um, you know, but it's really turned up the heat in the last three years. Yeah, you know, right. so I mean, and, and one, and I'm not really surprised yeah. that your daughter, um, who's how old? Uh, she's 16 now. 16 now, yeah. which means she's a sophomore, junior. 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 Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, you know, would be experiencing this. Right. Yeah, it's a part of it's a part of our reality today. Uh, and and honestly, um, I'm not even going to say the 2010 events. Yeah. Say, but more of the impact of social media. Mm, um, okay. If, if I'm being honest, these things have been happening. Uh, they're just a lot easier to access, and you get it like that. Right. Without context or anything. Right. So it's just an immediate reaction yeah. of, oh, this is what we saw, this is what we think happened, and yeah. we're going to run with that. Yeah, you know? I, I can understand that. You know, Obviously, as a white American uh-huh. at, living in a predominantly white area and always have lived in a predominantly white area, um, that um, I have no context uh, 
um, for what you know uh, Black Americans go through mm-hmm. on a regular basis, and 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 obviously I understand that before 2010. This was still a You're thing, right? right? A thing. Uh, but it became a part of the limelight. Yes. It came out, the uh, you know, and uh, around that around that time. And so, again, I'm not surprised that this is an experience that your daughter has had to go through. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is an experience that um, that you dealt with here, right? Uh, talk a little bit about that pain because you said there was pain on both sides. Yeah. So um, the stereotypes of of the unwillingness to actually get to know me or my family and vice versa in some ways yeah. um it leads to us just living off of assumption yeah i assume that when you wear your do-rag you must be a gangster because mm-hmm. all the gangsters wear the do-rags when it's like no actually that's just for my hair yeah like, and I, I, there's actually a purpose for it right and um automatically assuming hey anytime i see a confederate flag i automatically assume you're racist and you hate black people and didn't know there's other parts to that that um, are appreciated by white culture that I never, I just, um, I see a Confederate flag, automatically assume racist, hates black people, stay away from them, yada, yada. And it's, that wasn't the case. Yeah. So it, lots of pain, just lots of pain growing up um, between those assumptions uh, without that communication. But then actual racism as well, being right. called uh, Jungle Bunny, Jigaboo, Monkey, Goat Spade, go back to where you came from, go back to the jungle you came from, uh, those things being put on my locker, you yeah. know, at, I'm, a, I'm a freshman, yeah. those things being put in my locker, um, uh, parents stay away from that nigger, you know what I mean, and all, all types of things like that, and then also on the other side, my, my mom, you know, my, my mom will, uh, let me say this, I don't want you bringing home no white woman. You know, I don't want you bringing home no white girl. Uh, you, you, I don't, you're not gonna marry a white woman. And that, you know, and all those things because of where her her upbringing and, and the things that she had experienced growing up. Yeah, you know, right. so all of those things, you know, uh, calls for a very interesting uh, high school career, <laughs> high school years. So, how did you iron out all of this? I mean, yeah, you're hearing it from both sides. Yeah. I mean, in all honesty, it sounds like you're. You have you know hatred on both sides of the spectrum yes. here. Um, how did you reconcile all of that? Um, for me, it it became just a personal journey of um, I'm gonna I'm gonna create my own you know view. Yeah, I'm going to. Uh, I, I got tired of not being involved in anything at the school because. I'm worried about what the white man's gonna think or what the white people are gonna think. I got tired of not dating anybody because I'm worried about what my mom's gonna think. <laughs> and just kind of went for it, man. I've always, like, even before God, I've always been a person that was about um, inclusiveness. Yeah. You know, I've always, I was a guy that was on the show choir. I don't know if I should have said that, but okay. Uh, we, <laughs> you, you, you've already been outed, guy. Uh, we one of uh, one of your fellow show choir members goes to our church. Oh! Okay, uh, okay, and she right. was like, he was in show choir. I, I was going to have you do a little dance and song for us at the live podcast last week. Oh, somebody outed me. Uh, yeah. But I, so I was the one that was like, I was in show choir, but I was also in theater. And yeah. and, and back then, that was like a clash, you know. Yeah. Um, I hung out with the ones who would listen to Tupac and Biggie, but I also hung out the ones that would listen to Tim McGraw, you know. So all you know, I was always the one that's kind of like in the middle and saying, "Hey, we can coexist in a sense." Yeah. For the for the record, I listen to. <laughs> neither um 
I, I, I do actually enjoy rap, but I hate country. I I, <laughs> you told me that last I, week. I, I cannot stand country music, and 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 I know that probably I just probably lost all of my viewership, <laughs> um, my listenership, I guess you would say. But you know, and, and listen, I mean, this has been. Uh, this has been a struggle, uh, you know, f- over the last couple of years, uh, especially, you know, for me personally, because, uh, you know, like you, I, 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 I tend to be inclusive. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, I, I grew up with, um, you know, uh, with racism in my family, um, and, you know, then there's stories that I'm uh, that you know I I won't share for the sake of privacy for my family, right. but, uh, but I grew up in that, you know, and 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 I remember how that shaped me. In high school, to uh, and as a minister, yeah. to show love to everyone, regardless of who they are mm-hmm. or what they look like or what their problems, quote unquote, problems are or are right. not, um, you know. And then I, and then I, you, know, you turn on the news, and you, you see, uh, you know, you know stuff that happened in Virginia a couple of years yeah. ago, the white yeah. nationalist thing, yeah. and you have. A president who who wouldn't condemn outright mm-hmm. all this stuff, and you know, I mean, look, there's no secret. I'm not a big fan of our current president right mm-hmm. now because of these things, and um, and, and you know, that's neither here nor there. But it's like, okay, as a white guy, you know, I I, I see the same things you know that that you see. I see a Confederate flag. I'm like, what 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 are you doing in 2019 mm-hmm. with a Confederate flag? Mm-hmm. You know, like. I, and I know that's your freedom, and I and I want to respect that freedom for a person to do that. But it means so much to somebody, right, right. And, and the Bible teaches us not to be a stumbling block. Yeah. You know, why not just put that away? Yeah, you know, yeah. and so I, I I don't know what the proper response yeah. is. You know, so that I can help you know black people who I love and cherish and respect, or even those I haven't even met yet, yeah. feel respected and loved from the outset. Right. You know, I think one of the big things that have changed for me, especially as a pastor, is first and foremost, I recognize the world for being the world. Yeah. You know, um, uh, a, a lot of people who are not willing to put aside their liberties for love yeah. um, is because they're, they're not believers. They're, you know, I, I, it's America. Yeah. Land of the free. I yeah. can say, do what I want. I can wave whatever flag I want. I can kneel during the anthem. All, all these things that we have freedom to do. Right. Um, and when we engage in those things, uh, for many of us, we don't have a Christian you know, foundation or a biblical worldview. And the ones that say they do... Uh, but listen, no, 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 because no. this is where this is where this is where the debate is going to happen, Let's go. Let's right? Go. I love it. Be- because uh, you know, uh, in in this town yes. or in in rural America, in small town America, yes. and you know, um, in in the in the in the country part of of, of Indiana, especially, um, there are a lot of Christians, faithful Christians, mm-hmm. people who love Jesus, who mm-hmm. study their Bible, who pray, who care about who care about these things. And yet, will will criticize uh, Colin Kaepernick for kneeling yep. during mm-hmm. the anthem. Yep. Um, will 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 have that freedom to uh, you know to to uh, to say what they want to carry the Confederate flag yes. To, yes. to you know uh, to back up Trump. Right. You know, and, and and they don't think they're denying their Christian identity. So what do we that. do as pastors? Right. What do we do when you have to stand up like myself in mm-hmm. front of your congregation? Who is split? 
right. down the middle. Yeah, yeah. I'm with Kaepernick. I'm against Kaepernick. I'm with Trump. I'm against Trump. Right. And you have to preach a message of where Christ is, not where Trump is, yeah. not where Kaepernick is, yeah. but where Christ is, knowing that you're about to lose 50 people yeah. on both sides yeah. because you're going against their agenda. Yes. It, but who does that? Like, yeah. there, there's so many who won't do that. Right. And this is the big problem we have in the church. It's intentionality. Yes. Because as long as people are coming in and filling my seats and, you know, hey, we're, we're all, you know, we're predominantly white congregation, so surely we are on, of the same liking or the same thinking and all that. So why, you know, why rock you know why? Why shake the body? You know why shake the bucket? Why? Why move people by teaching truth? A lot of us pastors we overlook that for the sake of peace. It's kind of yeah. like the happy, happy wife, happy life type of thing. Right. Where I'm not going to hold my wife accountable because I just don't want the drama. Right. And, and so me myself individually at my church, I'm the first one to meet those problems head on and, right. and say, hey, let's talk about this because if we can't figure it out. How can we be the example? So, how did your church respond to that? Oh, it was tough. Yeah. I, I first I started off with um, I, I looked at Romans fourteen. Yeah. And, and that was that's my big go to right there. Mm-hmm. Romans fourteen. And although Paul's talking about the food and you know if you feel you can eat meat and this person feels they can't eat meat, don't eat meat around that right. person and all that. I, I told him I said, hey, I have no problem with you being passionate about the American flag feeling that it needs to be honored, that you need to stand up during the anthem. But if your passion for that flag is more important than your faith yes. in reaching in reaching those who are on the other side of that spectrum, yeah. you've missed the point. Yep. And I, the same I, thing for those who are kneeling at yeah. the same time. Right. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. And this is where the stumbling block is. Again, for our non-Christian exactly. audience, this is where Romans 14 is where that stumbling block passage is. And, you know, and listen, I, I'm a vet. You know, I... I uh, yes. I served my country yes. for ten years. I was in Iraq mm-hmm. for a year. You know, I I love my country. Yeah. I don't love my country uh, more than I love my God. That's it. You know. That's you know. It. Uh, when I was when I was a chaplain assistant, we had this saying: "Prodeo et patria." Oh. Right. Uh, it's for God and country. Mm. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that saying because God always comes first. Yes. It's for God right. and then country. Right. Right. And I know there's probably you know other military people who are listening to this who say that ah, no that that's meant as something different. But that's how I always took it. Okay. You know because um, you know the, for a chaplain in the military the cross is far more important yeah. um, than yeah. the United States Army. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and that's how it is for us. I I want us to have the, that's what's so beautiful about our country. We can have the freedom to speak and to disagree yes, and yes. to do what we want but when we come into these doors mm. we got to check our biases mm. and and we have to share show the love of Christ to all yeah i would go even further than that um <laughs> when we walk out these doors <laughs> yeah we we check our biases like and yeah. that's what i did i said hey i'm not the facebook police all right I'm, I'm not, <laughs> but, but but there's people um in the congregation yeah who are so upset about people kneeling yes. during the anthem that they're telling them you know if you can't stand for the flag then you deserve a bullet in the back of the head i saw the same like, thing you, on are, facebook and you're a christian yes you're a christian but then on the other side um if you don't understand while I'm kneeling, then you're a racist bigot, and it is like, ugh. yeah, these are Christians in the Bible. Clearly, Jesus, yeah, they will know us by our what, our love for one another. Yeah. but love goes out the door when yes. when it's something that 
the vibes like this, and the devil's just sitting back like, I don't have to yeah. do anything. You guys are making it. And, and look, I'll say this loud and clear to every listener you know, that's listening to this right now, and I'll, and I'll say this to anybody that into, to their face. If you can't show love in your disagreement, yeah. then you need to be checking your faith. Yeah. Yes. You know, because because God is love. First John teaches us that. Yes. Uh, you know, uh, and and if we uh, if we love God, we'll obey His commands. And there's mm-hmm. no clearer command mm-hmm. than loving your enemy. Right. You know, Paul even says it's easy to love your friends. Right. It's easy to love those who do things for you. Right. But why don't you love people who do nothing for you? Right. <laughs> you know, right. why don't you love people the ones who hate you? You know, uh, because that's the key to the gospel. Yes. Right, that's what sets us apart. Yes. That's what makes us look different exactly. than the world. Exactly. That's what, us, that's what uh, actually that's the holy part. Right? Yeah. Like we're set apart. We're different. How are we different? Oh, we love in a supernatural way. You right. Know, um, it's easy and natural to love those who do for you or who love you in return. Right. It's, it's a it's a supernatural. Um, divine yeah. love when the spirit through you is loving those who are hard to love. So, you know, look, as a black pastor, yeah. um, you know, do you think that there is an expectation for you to preach these things? Because you, because you are black, mm-hmm. you know, and it seems like in our country, you know, every black person's for Colin Kaepernick, every black person's for kneeling, every, you know, and mm-hmm. I, I know that's not true. That's right. a stereotype. Right, right. You know, but when I asked you that question about how did your church react to that, I was I was fully expecting a different response because I I, I suspected your congregation said, oh well, he, of course he's going to say that he's yeah, you know yeah. he's black, no, no. you know. So so do you feel that pressure to 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 speak because of your color? At, at one point in time, um, and this is kind of how high school shaped me. But at one point in time, you I definitely got the emails and and uh, yeah. the inboxes of hey you're out there with quote unquote them, you need to be speaking up for the black community in terms of the Kaepernick things and yeah. all of that. Um, but but for myself, I look at the Bible. I simply look at the Bible. Yeah. And I look for what's gonna break the barrier. Yes. You know, what's gonna actually uh, break these barriers, these divisions that are within A, the church that I'm entrusted with yes. uh, by God, but then B, this community right here. I'm on the front lines. You know, it's yeah. it's easy to speak to a predominantly black community about what they already agree on. Yes. It's so much harder to be in white America per se yeah. and say, look, you I understand where you're at. Yeah. I'm in this community. Yeah. I've heard every reason of why you believe the way you do. Yeah. Here's what you don't understand about the other side and here's where Christ is in the middle. Yeah. And and that's the hard part, but I've never felt pressure because I answer the one. Yeah. You know, and, and therefore I'm not going to uh, overdo something to try to appease the black community or yeah. the white community for that matter because if that's the case I would feel the pressure of hey I'm in white America I'm in Brownsburg Indiana yeah. if I go too far this way then they're not going to be there either yeah. so I've never felt that pressure I've always said hey um, this church is, is the people who are here are here because God brought them here yeah. I'm just going to preach the truth which is you know I, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly it's so hard for me to do that, you know, and this is one thing I love about you, Rashad. One thing that I, that I, you know, Paul says, follow me as I follow Jesus, you know, and I follow no man but Jesus, right? But I think we can learn from other men, yeah. you know, and other, and other women and other people. Um, you know, I don't mean just to be gender specific there, but, um, you know, one thing I love about you that I, that I, that I love to model my life after is your ability to, 
to say what needs to be said regardless of what people think. Yeah. You know? Wow. Um, and, and that is that is something difficult for a lot of pastors, you know? A lot of pastors are people pleasers. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's just in our DNA, you know, yes, a little is. bit. And, you know, and, and, and so, you know, you know, and we're not just in white America. We're in white conservative yes, America. Um, you know, and, and that is that makes this even harder, right? So what do you say to your white pastor uh, brothers and sisters uh, who, who uh, you know, want to say what needs to be said but feel the pressure? Yeah. Um, so I was always told by my pastor, Pastor Taylor, don't be afraid of their faces. Yeah. Uh, it's like Ezekiel, Isaiah type talk. And um, I always, I, you know, when pastors come to me out mm-hmm. here in the community and say, how can I make a difference? How can I, when I'm, when I'm concerned about my congregation and their thoughts, yeah. and what they're right, say, right, right. I, I ask them, um, what, who's your master in a sense? You know, you can't serve too. What, what, what's, where's that fear coming from? Yeah. Is it a fear of losing members? Yeah. Is it a fear of, you know, maybe you like, seriously, you might have to go by vocational now yeah. because this could really move some people out of here. But what's most important, you know, um, if they're leaving because of truth yeah. and you're doing it in a graceful way, I'm not the guy that comes here and is just like, I don't care how you feel, it's wrong. No, I meet them where they're at, like we yeah. talked about right. last week. I've asked the questions of, well, why do you feel this way about the national anthem? And mm. why do why are you so upset? So it's conversation. Yeah, you have to have relationship and conversation. See, and that's the thing. So do you think then that it's our job as, as preachers to say this behind the pulpit? Or should we say it around a table? I think it's both. I think it's both. I think I, I believe with with all my heart that you build the relationships. It's your job as a pastor. You're overseeing sheep. You're involved in the community. You yeah. put yourself out there to build those relationships. But then you you model that as well in what you're preaching from the pulpit because you do have this platform and this responsibility to guide, to steer the flock towards truth, yeah. towards what God wants. I think it's both. But it's going to be those table conversations, those yeah. table relationships that protect you when you're preaching it from the pulpit. Because I, I may say something that comes across harsh yeah. when I'm preaching or comes across a little like really stepping on the toes. And yeah. maybe somebody who's a guest may say that was unnecessary. But when they talk to those that I'm spending intimate time with one-on-one and around those table conversations, that's your protection. Yeah. They're like, no, no, you have to know his heart. This is what's going on. Oh, yeah. They give you the context. Yeah. So I think you have to do both. Yes, very much so. And actually, we're hitting on a, on a term that, um, that I'm learning in school right now, this idea that if you're going to, uh, if you're going to be successful as a preacher... Uh, your people have to trust you outside of that pulpit. Oh yes, uh, you know they have to get to know you. Yes, and, and, and if you're not in your community, um, which I think both you and I, um, you know, care so much about. You know, we are always in our community. Yes. I, I, I feel uh, that you know if we're not out in the community, we have no place to at speak all. All. Uh, to our people. And, you know, and, and I think that ha- that has to be an important part of this. You know, um, yeah, I love coffee. But the reason I go to Starbucks all the time is because I, I love those people. Exactly. You know, um, I, exactly. I, 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 I love talking with them and getting to know them and, and, and hearing about their day, you know. And I mean, that's that's where this podcast even came from was that idea there, right? It's relationships, man. It is. It has to be. And so we, as Christians, it sounds good yeah. to say, oh, we want to break barriers. It sounds good as a pastor to say, hey, we, you know, we want to be a multicultural, multi-this church, right. and all that good stuff. But how does it look? Yes. 
How does it look when it's time to put that in practice? Are you willing to break those barriers? Are you willing to sit down and engage in those relations, those tough conversations? Yeah. And put yourself out there and have to thicken up your skin a little bit. Yeah. Because people, I, I've, I've sat down with the racists. Yeah. I've sat down with those who don't like me because I'm black. I've sat down with those who say, well, um, I can't respect no black man who's with a white woman. And like quote the Bible out of context. We need to stick with our own tribe. It says it in the Bible and all. But I've sat down with them. And instead of... Instead of getting upset, instead of being offended, yeah. I've sat down with them to engage them, yeah. to meet them in their racism yeah. and love them right there. Yeah. And a lot of us won't do that. Yeah, I, I've had those conversations, but I know it has to be different because I'm white. Mm. And, and, you know, mm. uh, and, and I, I know that people will, will look at me differently you know, than they will look at you when we have yeah. these conversations. Mm-hmm. You know, Because uh, yeah, I, I, I've heard the racism. Yeah. You know, I, I've heard them in my past churches. Mm-hmm. And, and, and yeah, I was like, no, what, what are you doing? Yeah. What, like, and, this shouldn't be a part of your Christianity. And, and here's the thing. Here, and here's the, the scary part that has snuck its way in. Yeah. Um, Larry, a lot of us have racial tendencies that we don't even realize until we're put in relationship yes. with, with the other race. Yeah. Um, there's talk we have just as a culture, as, as America, that we don't realize is extremely racist on both sides yeah if, if um your your parents will say um when you're at work uh, like an african-american parent hey make sure you're using your white voice when you pick up the phone yeah and it's like so what's the white voice oh you know the proper articulate educated that's racist yeah so my white voice is proper educated articulate or a white person will say hey i got this one white friend he acts so black what is acting black? Well, his pants are sagging. He plays loud music. That 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 is so racist. And it's like you can't you cannot say that. Yeah. But right. we but we don't even realize it, and we've been given in the past for time to time. So then we get in these churches where we're trying to intermingle people, where we're trying to bring nations together, and we're we're saying these things. Oh, I got a friend that uh, acts black too, and you know, and you're like, what? What he acts black? How's he acting black? Or you know, um, you know. Uh, when, when somebody calls me, uh, if the pastor's calling, let me put on my white voice. And you, you can't say these things. Right. And and these, this like, all of this is inside the church today. Yeah. It's in the church today. Right. And and without realizing it, uh, we're building more and more of those barriers because somebody goes home and says, wow, like that, that's so offensive. So yeah. You, you said your brother acts black and basically he's acting ghetto, unruly, and this and this and that. Well, what do you think about the black race? Or, yeah. you know, um, my, my daughter goes through this. Uh, she'll be told, you sound so white. And it's, Ugh. oh, because you sound proper and yeah. educated. And that, right. That, that, oh. so, I'm sorry, man. No, <laughs> Rashad, this is why I had you on here, man. Uh, you know, uh, you, you care so deeply about this stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know about uh, you know equality, mm-hmm. about um, you know all in Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, that you're an obvious choice for for this podcast. You know, I, I wouldn't have anybody else on here, man. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, I, I, and I feel like there's there's still an audience that we haven't even touched yet. Um, you know, there are many pastors who are hearing this and saying, you know, I theologically disagree. Um, I, I think that we sh- that it's it, that it's very Christian for me to um, you know to support patriotism in the way that we've seen over the last couple of years and uh, and you know uh, and the Republican Party and you know yada 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 you know yeah. um, and yet 
you know, uh, they want to, you know, they want to uh, be inclusive to all people, you know, to black, white, Asian, mm-hmm. um, you know, Spanish, you know, mm-hmm. Latino, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you say? What do you say to those guys? So for me personally, yeah, I always like to look at myself as I'm answering questions like this. If you went and asked my congregation what my political views were, they couldn't give you an answer. Okay. They would not be able to give you, and I, I can guarantee you that. They would have no way of giving you an answer. You look at my Facebook, you can get no answer. Um, not because I'm scared of that, right? but because it creates a barrier. But they can hear you say stuff I, about Colin Ka- Kaepernick. No, they can't. They don't? No, no. Like, Listen, like if you ask anybody in the community, like right now, what do you think is my view? I have um, no idea. You have no idea. I have no idea. <laughs> No idea. I have absolutely and, no idea. And it's no. not it's not playing the fence. It's not playing both sides. It's saying what's the point of anything that will divide us, that will keep me from having access to you. I if you're that pastor that's the Republican, conservative, Trump loving, supporting this and this and that, that's fine. That should not get in the way of you loving people. Yes. It should not get in the way of you becoming all things to all people to win some. It should none of that should get in the way of that. Period. Right. In, in, the, in the moment it does, that to me is where you need to question your call. You need to question what you're doing. But there are plenty of pastors out there who will say, uh, you know, that it is it is time for us to be prophets and not and not priests. You know, to come out and to say, um, you know, to be political behind that pulpit because we don't want. <laughs> Uh, you know, we don't want Christian values to disappear in this country. Okay. You know, what do you, what do you say to those guys? We don't want Christian values to disappear in this country. Oh, I, I'll, I'll let that be. So, so, <laughs> so, so no, seriously. Um, for me, yeah. If I'm if I'm talking to that pastor, yeah. Um, what's your end game? Hmm. What 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 is your actual end game? Is it is it winning souls? For the kingdom, mm-hmm. and 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 if it is, where does this political preaching, um, where does this tie in to the gospel? Where does this tie into the soul winning that you're trying to do? When you when you know when you know those things can actually cause the things that turn this person away. I I myself, uh, Colin Kaepernick. Yeah. Right. I, I think I said this, but I'm a I'm a 49er diehard. I mean, San Francisco since 1986 when I was four years old. I've been a I've been a San Francisco 49er fan. Jerry Rice, Joe Montana. Blah, blah. Oh, don't so, mention Joe Montana <laughs> to a Bengals fan. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, so here's the thing. Um, everything goes down with Colin Kaepernick yeah. kneeling during during the anthem. Um, my congregation, diverse and split. I mean, split down the oh, middle. Oh yeah, yeah, and. And I normally, like, I preach in my jerseys all the time. Like, right. I'm always preaching in football jerseys. And this jersey, uh, in particular, was given to me by a friend as a gift for doing their marital counseling. And I love it. It was, a, it was the Super Bowl version. I brought the jersey in and said, hey, I have every right to wear this jersey and preach. It's not going to change the message. It's not going to change the truth. It's not going to do any of that. Also, I'm a 49ers fan. And... At the time, before Harbaugh messed it up, I loved Kaepernick. You know, like, he was a great quarterback, right? Um, but I will never, ever wear my Kaepernick jersey again. Why? Not because I'm scared of what 
part of my congregation thinks. Um, and I'm not going to wear it to be the one that's uh, popular with the other side of my congregation, right. but because it's a divisive Yes. It's, it's a divisive thing. Yeah. So I eliminate it altogether. I have four of those jerseys that I can never wear again yeah. because I know what comes with that. And, and in that moment, in, in that moment, like I could get political. I, I, know, I know pastors who preach in Kaepernick for a specific reason. Like, yes, I'm trying to make a statement here. I'm trying to make right. a point. But then you're wondering why the people on the other side of that spectrum won't come to your church. Yeah. And won't won't hear you. And then the lost people who won't even hear you now mm -hmm. because, well, that's what Christianity is about. You know, you got to remember, you're representing more than your political view yeah. as a believer. Right. And go ahead. Go so, ahead. you know, I, I, I'm i right there with you, you know, and, and I'm pretty sure people could guess my political leanings. <laughs> um, I do. <laughs> um, you know, and, and which is why I, I like talking about this stuff, you know. You know, and, and and as a matter of fact, uh, I'm recording another podcast today about politics in the church. Um, so <laughs> you're you're giving me some fuel for the fire. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, so but anyway, regardless of that, uh, I uh, I hear what you're saying. Okay. And immediately my mind goes to passages like John six, okay. Jesus feeding the you know feeding the, the masses. Going across the river, mm. or the river, listen to me, going across the sea, uh, heading over to the other side, and then they at, and then he gets real tough. Mm -hmm. And he says, you know, uh, you're here for a free meal, but I tell you, unless you eat my body and drink my blood, you can have no part of me. Mm -hmm. and, and and that was divisive. Yeah, that was he, divisive. he lost uh, upwards of 15,000 people yes, uh, in one statement. Uh, and then you you know you mix that with the Old Testament because we don't think the Old Testament is invalid; it's oh, just fulfilled, right? Then you go in the Old Testament and you think of Jeremiah, mm -hmm. you know, who was very political, oh, yeah. very political, right? Um, or even even Paul, uh, who who spoke up to uh, you know uh, to the uh, to the emperor, yeah. So I hear what you're saying, but how do you reconcile that with those texts? Well, can you be political? strictly by preaching, teaching the gospel, the whole counsel of the Bible. Like, this is what this is what I've seen. I've seen pastors, preachers, ministers, Christians, on their Facebooks, in their pulpits, um, aligning with men. Yeah. Um, Trump, Obama, Hillary, you know, Sanders, and all this stuff, and, and going hard for men. Yeah. But... Paul, Jeremiah, go hard for God. Yes, and that and that's I'm like you can do all of that by just going hard for God, right? Aligning with God instead right. of the Repu the elephant or the you know the donkey. Like we they they got those memes. Right? I'm not with the elephant, the donkey, I'm with the lamb. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, but that's the way it's supposed to be. I when Jesus Jesus was very divisive. Yes. For God. Yes. And and so me, I'm standing ground. Like right. I'm not moving. I, I'm yeah. on my pivot, man. Yeah. I'm not moving yeah. from the things that are in the Bible. That I'm standing. I'm standing up for the truths of God's word. Yeah. I will stand up. So you're that. not talking about calling or the flag or Confederate flag or American flag no. or guns or no guns yeah. or whatever. Yeah. You're speaking the truth. Yeah, I'm just speaking the truth. And, and you know, listen, man, I'm I'm right there with you. Be, you know, and I was hoping that was what you were going <laughs> yeah, to say yeah. because because we can. Uh, uh, Bob Russell. I don't know if you know who Bob Russell is. Uh -huh. Bob Russell in, in, in our in our movement, okay. in the Christian Church, Church of Christ movement, 
Bob Russell is one of the biggest, if not the biggest, preacher of our movement. Okay. Um, yeah, he's retired now for about 10, 15 years, but um, he said to young guys, he goes, look, the, the, the thing that you should do is preach book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, and and as things come up, he says, it's funny, you will, you will, you will uh, speak to all of yes. the cultural things. Yes. By hitting yes. the Bible, just by, just, just by hitting the Bible, uh, you know, and, and and that is that is exactly what we should strive for. Yeah. I shouldn't have to take a sermon uh, to talk about racism in the church um, when the Bible will get me there. When we're talking about loving all people, that all are created equal, exactly. you know, that all are in Christ, exactly. right? Same Spirit, same baptism. There's no difference between Jew or Gentile. That was the race of the day, right? That's right. Um, and so yeah, we we can we, if we're if we're giving the whole counsel of God in His Word, then this will be something that is brought up naturally. It all is naturally addressed, right? Right. And at that point, you don't come across as a sniper, yes, who's just sitting there picking the topic of the day and trying yes. to snipe it. Right. Now, will your congregation members reach out to you because of what's going on in today? Yes, and you always point them back to the word. You hide behind the word of God. Yeah, I, I. I very rarely give my opinion. Mm-hmm. I say, hey, this is what the Bible says. This yeah. is what the Word of God says. This is what it meant in its context. This is how it applies today. My opinion doesn't always match that. Sometimes so, my, my emotions, my opinions, the things I, I deal with just personally, I'm like, oh, I don't want to be like that right now, but this is what I'm going to surrender to because this is this is Trump's all. Right. So, yeah, you did a service mm-hmm. um, during, I, I think it was Tamar Rice's when when he passed yeah. uh, when he got shot um uh, by that police officer um and why did you do that service yeah so in the midst of the division in the community uh on our chatter page our facebook chatter page and and how nasty it was getting and even seeing some of my congregation members church family members being involved in those disagreements i put it out there hey let's Let's see what the Bible says. Like, yes. let, let, let me show you how love can conquer all of this. This is biblical. And let me meet you where you're at. Let me let me meet you in the moment. I didn't preach about it that Sunday. I literally was like, okay, this is in the rhythm of my life. Right. This is this is something that is a part of my reality today. How do I impact it and you know where it's at? How do I take advantage of this moment that's going on? How do I redeem this hate that's going on? Well, let's call them all you know together. Let's Let's bring in both sides, call them all together, and give them an example. Even if they don't walk out of there in agreement, at least be the example. And yeah. many times, you've said, you've seen on the Brownsburg Chatter pages, I will enter, I don't post on there much, but I will enter in the midst of a big disagreement or mm-hmm. big anything, and I'll be the one that's like, okay, let me show you the example of Christ and all of this. And there's been many non-believing atheist type people who have reached out and said, I've never seen that side of Christianity. Yeah, I, yeah, I, 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 one, I love hearing that response because I, I've gotten that same response from people, and it is, it is like, yeah, I, 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 that's what we want, right? But how many people came up to that, came to that service? None. None. Zero. Zero. Absolutely zero. <laughs> um, and this is where we'll end. Okay. How do you fix that then? How do you fix the problem of racism in the church? If no one's willing to listen. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say they're not willing to listen, okay? Okay. I would say um, 
they're not willing to listen to me all the time. They're not willing to listen to you. Um, what I've come to find that works at Church on the Rock is this method of we're not going to get them to come to the church or come to the meeting that we call people out on Facebook for. We will get them to come to that beauty salon where they talk to you every time they come in there. We will get them to come to that barbershop or that softball game that their kids are at um, or that school event or that camping trip. This is where it's not real. The pastors do the equipping of the saints. Why? Because the saints are the ones that are in those relationships and those conversations where they can make the difference. Amen. And, and this, is, this is where I, I choke up a little bit. This is where we're losing. Because we've gotten into this routine and tradition of, I'm just going to invite my friend to the church and let the pastor, who I love his preaching, Mm-hmm. you know convict them and da, da, da. and it's like no because they don't know me they're not listening to me right they will listen to you because you're the one who has the childhood memories with them you're the one that was there when they went through their divorce you're the one that was there when you know when when they saw Kaepernick nail they called you to complain about it and why, why were you too afraid in that moment to speak up for love yes and for Christ not not for Kaepernick but yeah. for love and for Christ and and so they're not listening to me, they're not listening to you, right? But they're listening to the cousin and to the mom and to the you know. It's relational. It's yeah. very relational. And until the ones who do listen to me, I have great relationship with. I have many congregation members who come to me with their differences and their disagreements of what's going on in America and all that good stuff. And because of our intimacy, I'm allowed access and authority in their life be- because of relationship, right? But that doesn't mean random guy in Brownsburg wants to hear anything I got to say. Listen to this podcast right now, like, yeah, whatever, that's all that's baloney. Right. But they may but that person may listen to their next door neighbor who they've been neighbors with for twenty years and never even knew they was a Christian. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So so for me, it's not that people aren't willing to listen. It's a matter of finding out who they're willing to listen to. Yes. And I'm I'm big on when we have new people come to Christ and give their lives over. And then they're trying to find ways to, to plug into the church and you know build this building up or build this church up. I'm like, no, 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 no. You own a barbershop. <laughs> Go back to the barbershop. Yeah. I don't want you here to you know be dealing with more people that are just already believe what we believe, which there's a place for that. Don't get me wrong. Oh, yeah, for sure. But unless you feel called to that, man, go back to the barbershop you own and have influence at and people trust you and do it there. I have a guy right now who owns Avon Barbershop and he's, he's like, he has a 10 o'clock prayer um, every day and, and ministers to the other barbers and the customers that are his regulars and he's he's reaching people who will never walk into our church. Yep. And, 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 and and so those people are being influenced by the gospel, yeah. by by the one they trust. And yeah. it's not about the pastor. It's not about the you know the people inside the building. It's about what's going on outside. The so building. what I hear you saying, and, and and again, this is where we'll, we'll we'll close out. But what I hear you saying is, in order for us to combat racism in the church and to deal with race in an appropriate way, it's all about what we're doing outside of these walls. Um, uh, rather than what we're doing inside of these walls, although what we're doing inside of these walls is also very important. 
Um, you know, but if, if we're going to make a difference in this community, we have to get out in the community and love people where they're at. Yes, never understood how you can make a difference in the community inside of, of four walls. Yeah, honestly. And yeah. Once again, there's a place for the equipping and the training. Yes. Uh, the pastor does have a responsibility yeah. to be intentional on mm-hmm. building the hearts yeah. that is ready for anybody that walks through those doors. Right. But if you're waiting for people to walk through those doors, right. They're not walking through them. Man. No, they're not. No, they're not. Not You have to build that relationship, yeah. for sure. All right. Well, Rashad, thanks for coming. Thanks for being a part of the podcast. Uh, we will have you on again. Yeah, because this was too short. I mean, yeah. <laughs> uh, we will definitely have you on on again. Uh, and uh, I want to thank our audience, as always, for, for listening. Go find us on iTunes if you haven't yet to search for uh, Larry Vinson, V-I-N-S-O-N, or Coffee and Conversation Podcast. Uh, rate and subscribe and share the podcast. Podcast with your friends, family, co-workers, or community. Uh, we would love uh, to get uh, as many people listening to these, what I consider community-changing podcasts, mm-hmm. um, yes. uh, you know, we, as possible. So, um, if you don't have a church home, uh, you can try. Uh, you can try either Church on the Rock, which meets every Sunday at nine and eleven. Uh, and what's your website? Uh, churchontherockbb.com All right. Or you can come to Cornerstone Christian Church. We meet each and every Sunday at 9 and 1030. Um, and we have uh, a website, cornerstonerock.org. Right. Or you can find us on Facebook, uh, CCC Brownsburg. And what's your Facebook page? Church on the Rock Brownsburg. I don't know. We don't know. <laughs> Just look up Church on the Rock Brownsburg. Uh, and uh, Rashad, hire yourself a social media guy. All right. <laughs> All right. Uh, and we will catch you next week on the Coffee and Conversation Podcast.